Uh, we're in a series called Forget Not, and it's from uh, Psalm 103, Forget Not, and it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, praise him from my inmost being, praise his holy name. And then it talks about forget not his benefits. And his benefits are he heals all our diseases, he forgives all our sins, he redeems, he crowns, and he satisfies us. And only God can do that. I think sometimes when we think there's another option, there isn't. There are other options, but do you know, compared to God, I just, I just can't like, I just can't even go to option B anyway. So forget not his benefits. And God really spoke to me just about the thought, the grass is not greener on the other side. And so this is why we need to be reminded to not forget his benefits. Uh, I was just telling uh, uh, the congregation last week on Sunday night how God's given me a really good memory for faces but not names. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, when someone tells you their name, it's like a bird that lands and then flies away. So if someone tells me their name, I'm like, oh. And I remember a friend said to me, you know what you should do? You should just ask how you spell their name on your phone when you add them to your contacts. And I said, that's a good idea. So I was talking to a girl that I had met like twice. And I was like, what's her name again? What's her name? And, you know, I was thinking, is it Rachel? Is it? So I said, how do you spell your name? And she said, it's L-I-S-A. And I went, oh, Lisa. <laughs> she looked at me like I was a moron, you know, like, what? Like, my name's really simple. But there are ways to remember things. And I shared... Um, last week, how uh, I had a really, like, my memory for things that I, you know, you remember things that you love, right? Like food and, and, and the different crushes you had when you are in primary school. And I shared last week how I had this big crush on this guy in primary school. And he was just, he was a few years older than me, but I remember thinking, oh, I remembered where he lived. I remember, I know, I'm not a stalker. Anyway, I was only a little, primary school. Anyway, uh, he used to walk me home fr uh, from school. He used to like, yeah, he was really, really cool. Nice guy. But a few years later, my, um, I was in this Anglican church. My sister had married the vicar's son there. And she said, oh, I want you to be part of this Friday night outreach, Kathy. And at the time, I was like, no, thank you. How embarrassing. And they used to minister and outreach to uh, university students in this church. And so we'd be singing. And this guy walked in. And because sometimes we would have hecklers come in and go, boo, there's no such thing as a God. And they would walk in and I'd be like, oh, great. Anyway, one Friday night, I was singing and I looked different because the years had gone by and this guy remembered Kathy from primary school with thick glasses. Uh, I, yeah, anyway. But I looked totally different back then. Anyway, he probably didn't recognize me, but I recognized him because I knew where he lived and I knew his, you know, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, my, my brother-in-law was leading the meeting and he walks in with his group of friends from university. And they walk in and they're like, Oh, there's no such thing as a God. You guys are lame. And I recognized his face and I said, that's Harry Smith. And then he started heckling to my brother-in-law and he said, 
there's no such thing as a God. And my brother-in-law said, oh, you know, just, we'll talk later. And he just kept on arguing from the back. And he said, if there is a God, then what's my name? <laughs> anyway, I said to my brother-in-law, it's Harry Smith. So anyway, he's like, your name is Harry Smith. And I remember that moment because he just went, oh. Anyway. I was like, good memory, Kathy, good memory. I can remember that. Anyway, so, and then the next thing he said, because he was so arrogant. You know when people walk in and they think they can challenge God? Anyway, so he's like, he starts arguing during our worship service. And then he says, okay, well, if God is really real, where do I live? (laughs) St. Andrew's right. You know, like, he lives here anyway. But, you know, God's given me an incredible memory for things like that. I'm just like, I remember things like that. And um, at the end of the service, Harry asked for prayer and he gave his heart to Jesus. So, but it's funny, we remember the things that we love, you know? But sometimes it's the same, the opposite way. We can have a negative uh, thing that happens to us and we won't forget. So forget not... Forget not his benefits. He forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns and he satisfies. But I remember like God just saying, Kathy, I've given you a good memory. And for some of us, we need to speak that over our minds. Because sometimes we're like, why am I in this room? You kind of, well, when you're driving, have you ever had that happen? You drive somewhere and you go, how did I get here? Some people say it's COVID, but anyway. But having a grass is greener on the other side mentality, what that does is it diminishes what's in our hand currently, what's in our patch. And we start to look over the fence and think, you know, life is better for those people. And I can tell you this, that I've had moments where I have looked over the fence and thought, yeah, it's easy for some, isn't it? They've got a great life. I'm going through this really hard time. And uh, Psalm 73 was a really key psalm after my father passed away. I remember reading that psalm and just saying, God, I just really need perspective right now because I'm looking over the fence and thinking, you know what? I would look over at other families and go, they've got a dad. I want my dad back. Or I'd look over the fence and go, oh, wow, those people don't have any worries, which we know is a lie. And... You know, I just want to encourage you, don't partner with lies because everything is exaggerated when you're going through a hard time, isn't it? You think, oh, that person has it better and they have no struggles. But in Psalm 73, it says this, surely God, so Asaph wrote the psalm and he was from the tribe of Levi, he was a worship leader. And what I love about the psalm was he was so honest. He said, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. So almost. I started to peer over the fence. Um, I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Don't ever get caught in the lie that life was better back then. Let's not get too nostalgic about our past. Because you know what? The reality, it wasn't good back then. I remember when I saw that guy, Harry Smith, 
And like I remembered him, like he was this amazing guy in primary school. But when I saw him again, I went, what was I thinking? Like, wow, nothing wrong with him. But you know what I mean? Like everything looks better like years ago. Like you, like I, I, I thought, oh yeah, he looked like Brad Pitt, but he didn't anyway. But you know, you kind of go nostalgic and you think everything was better back then. The food was better. I don't know if you're my age, but when I talk to my kids, I'm always like, back in my day, and they're like, okay, mom, all right. They have no struggles. This is verse four. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens, which we know is not true. Everyone goes through struggles. Everyone has their own burdens. And we know that we, you know, I mean, not everyone knows our life. And so the lie is that not everyone goes through the same thing as us. Everyone does go through stuff, but it's not how, you know, we experience it. Everyone has their own experiences anyway. So Asaph starts to go on about how amazing these people, how their lives are. He starts to look at how proud they are. They've got no cares. They've got money. They're rich. I mean, that's just part of it. But he's just like, why are they prospering? And why am I going through what I'm going through? And at the time when I was going through grieving my dad's death, I remember thinking to myself, God, why do people have it better than me? And that is the grass is greener on the other side mentality. It's like, I lost gratitude. I lost it. I couldn't even be thankful. And I had to go through the psalm to understand, okay, God, this is how I'm feeling. Because number one, we need to acknowledge that we're human. So 2 Corinthians 10.3 says we are human, but we don't wage war like humans do. So we are human. We go through these emotions. But there's something about submitting those emotions to God, like just being honest and saying, God, I'm going through this. This is really tough. But not agreeing with the lie that everything is better for that person on the other side of the fence. Because we know that the grass is greener on the other side of you don't actually water your patch. And we need to, yeah, that deserves a clap anyway. But we need to water our patch. We need to nurture our life. How is the landscape of your life going? Are you nurturing your life right now? I want to challenge you. Are you feeding yourself on God's faithfulness? Are you nurturing your faith? Are you actually surrounding yourself with people of faith? Or are you agreeing with the lie of the enemy that everything is better on the other side? Yeah, the grass is greener, but it's probably astroturf. We know that astroturf is fake grass. So sometimes we can look at Hollywood, we can look at successful people go, wow, that looks great. But sometimes it can be fake. It's like, well, you don't know what you don't know. And so we need to stop peering over the fence and saying, oh, everything is better for those people. You don't know that. You don't know that. And as we partner up with that exaggeration, it's like, how can God speak to us? And so Asaph is complaining. He's like, these people are prospering. They've got a better life. Oh, it must be nice for some. But then it says in verse 17, 
until I entered the sanctuary of God. Now, the sanctuary of God can be the house of God, but it's also the presence of God. Until I entered the presence of God, I understood their destiny. Until I entered. And there's that moment where there's a shift that happens when we realize that number one, it's not all good on the other side. Number two, we need to nurture our life. We need to feed our life with God's goodness. But until we enter the sanctuary, until we enter the presence of God, we won't realize that. So why do we worship? Well, worship brings perspective and it opens up our eyes to the bigness of God. We got to go to a church in the UK and they it's connected with Equippers in Surrey. But it's a church that has 40 Iranian refugees. And the stories that they shared about what they left behind is just like, you know when you think you're having a bad day and then you talk to someone that's like, well, I saw people die on the boats. And I'm going, okay, God, that's given me perspective. But watching them worship God in such a way where it's all or nothing, I just went, God, this inspires me. Just the fact that they've had to sacrifice. Um, Some of them left their families behind so they could um, just get a job in the UK. And also like 20 of them have got jobs now and residency. So it's a real God thing. But the church there, uh, who's pastored by Chris and Rachel, Chris the pastor is learning Farsi. So he's learning the language. So he can communicate with these, uh, the Iranians. And I just said to them, I said, oh, you know, years ago, we got a prophecy as a church that we would plant a church in Iran. And their faces just went, and I just went, wow. And they just said, we want to see a church, a thriving church in our country. And it's it's amazing what gives you perspective. Until you enter the sanctuary of God, you realize what you have. You understand, okay, God, this is the destiny of those that don't follow you. But God, I I just want my light to shine for you. Until I enter the sanctuary of God, can you give me perspective? And he does. You start to see, oh, that's right, God. You've blessed me with an amazing family. That's right, God. You've blessed me with, uh, you know, people around me. I've got an amazing community. Now, the sanctuary of God is also the church. And I know people have just, like, recent times have slammed the church. But can I just say, church is not just a building, It's a family, it's a community, it's a tribe. And what I can say to you is when I got saved at the age of 14, the church has surrounded me in such a way where they've seen me, uh, you know, I've found my boyfriend there, he broke up with me, we broke up, went through all those hardships. Uh, Then we got married, we had children, you know, I had to bury my father There were things, there were different life stages that we went through as a church. But what I can say is the church has made my life rich. And the thing is, if you're going to have a community of people, we're going to hurt each other from time to time. But this is what I don't get. Like, I get all the stuff that's happening, but where does restoration sit when it comes to people of faith? 
we should be the first ones to restore. And so that's what God's challenged me about. Because I'm like, oh, you know, when you have attitude to, attitudes towards people. And I'm like, God's like, uh-uh. But I'm all about restoration. I'm all about restoration. I redeem, I crown, and I satisfy your life. And so until I entered the sanctuary of God, I realized, this is what I realized. I realized that my father, who I'd lost to cancer, he died of cancer. And um, I remember my dad, before he died, he said, Kathy, I'm going to be with Jesus. And I remember him saying that to me, but it didn't become a reality years later until he passed away. And I went, that's right, heaven is our home. I got perspective that's right, he's with Jesus. But we don't get it until we actually enter into his presence and realize that God is good, God is big, he is awesome. And so when I read that, it was like something unlocked in my heart. This is the reason why you come to church. This is the reason why you get into his presence. Every time you're in a funk, every time you're feeling down, every time your current situation looks terrible, this is why you get into the presence of God. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, I understood their final destiny. Um, the last part it says in verse 26, my, heart, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So we can either look on the other side of the fence and go, the grass is greener on the other side, or we can make a choice to nurture and water our patch. And thank God for that patch. I thank you, God, for my family. I thank you, God, for this current situation because I know that you can turn around situations as well. I thank you, God, that you are so good. And I had to come to that realization that my heart and my flesh may fail, but God, you're the strength and my refuge. You're my home. And I pray that you would feel that home in God. Because the moment you walk away, you know, the grass is green. And when I think about that, I think about fans, people that like support sports teams. I think about um, myself and how I change sports teams. Because, uh, you know, anyway, we, um, this year we were in Fiji with uh, Pastor Tiko and Shalia. And we were visiting their church. And on the Saturday, the Highlanders were playing the Fijian team, rugby. And uh, if you don't know, Aaron Smith, the captain of the Highlanders team, he watches our church online. And he said, oh, I'd really love you guys to, you know, watch the game. So he gave us tickets to the Highlanders-Fiji game. But, you know, I was just like, oh, I don't really support the Highlanders. <laughs> anyway, we had a conversation with Aaron Smith before the game. And he was just sharing his heart, like, God, oh, it's been a really hard season. And he said, what team do you support, Kathy? And I said, I support winning teams. <laughs> I can't believe I said that because I thought, man, they're so arrogant and typical Auckland. Anyway, so anyway, Sam said, oh, she's a bandwagon fan. And I went, pardon me? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. So I used to support the Chiefs when they were winning. And then as soon as Auckland Blues started winning, I switched over. Now, you know what? 
I think, I give you permission, you can be a bandwagon fan. Because it's not good for your um, blood pressure. Um, you know, every time Sam watches league or rugby and he's like yelling at the TV, I'm like, my blood pressure is fine. Like, I support winning teams. But there are bandwagon fans and there are also hardcore loyal fans. And we can look at the, the other side of the fence and go, oh, everything's so great. Everything's so good over there. But one thing that Sam challenged me about is he said, Kathy, you need to be loyal to the team of your city. So you need to stay. And I went, okay. So just as well when I supported the Auckland Blues, they started winning. <laughs> but the reason why I share that is because, you know, we can have the attitude like, oh, you know what, if the grass is greener, I'm going to shift over to that side. The temptation is when things get hard, we walk away from God. And I was talking to a friend of mine that uh, we would have these heated conversations about faith. And I remember praying for her, and she, she's got this amazing business. But she had walked away from God as a teenager. And... Uh, she, she gave her heart to Jesus at Shout Conference many years ago. God turned her business, her marriage, everything around. And she said to me, you know, Kathy, I would never go back to that life where I was half-hearted, where I compromised. I would never go back to that life of drugs. I would never get, go back to that life where I thought everything was great. But yet deep down, there was no satisfaction. Deep down, God was missing. And I talked to her last year and I said to her, how's your business going? She goes, it's prospering. But she said to me, it's prospering because I put God in the middle. I put God in the center. And just comparing the conversation of when we used to argue about, you know, stuff like, you know, you need to, Give your heart to Jesus. You need to just turn your life around. She would say, no, no, no. Versus now where she goes, my business is doing well. My family love Jesus. I mean, it was such a messy situation, but she said to me, there's no option B. And I think sometimes when things go hard, we can look over the, other, over the fence and think the grass is greener. Oh, the past. Or, oh, that person's life seems better than mine. Can I just tell you, life with Jesus is so much better, even in a storm. He is so good. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the bread of life. And in John 6, Jesus challenged his followers and his disciples. He said, I am the bread of life. And he started to challenge them deep to the very core where he said, some of you are going to get offended. But I am the bread of life. Nothing else can satisfy you but me. Then he turns to Peter because some of the followers just left. The disciples actually left Jesus because they said, this is too hard. Like this is really hard. And then Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said this. He said in John 6, 67 to 69, he said, you don't want to leave too? 
Do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. There is no way I would choose any option but Jesus. I choose to follow Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only truth. And He is the only life. So let's make a choice today. Because this city needs us. This city needs Jesus. And Jesus lives in our hearts. Do you know my friend walked away? And what I loved about the fact when she came back, she said, I'm going all in. No half-hearted life. I give my whole life to Jesus. And Jesus is asking you now, what do you choose? And I choose him because I say, you're the only one. You're the one that gives us eternal life. You're the one, Lord. I choose you because you're so good. Thank you for turning my life around and my family's life.